0: getting hired is a contact sport it's it's who are your contacts who do you know
1: all right hey there career changers welcome to the career therapy podcast we are here with jason early uh, who is someone that I met very early on uh, in my coaching career, back when I was doing workshops on personal branding. He brought me into his class, let me test out some ideas and let me uh, really give some new perspectives on, on how to sell yourself uh, to his great groups of UX design students. Today's episode is brought to you by Hireact.us, a free app that lets hiring teams and candidates instantly chat about incredible job opportunities. If you're a hiring manager, CEO, or recruiter, download the HireAct app to see a curated list of talented individuals and accelerate your hiring process 10 times faster than traditional ways. And if you're a job seeker, join the platform to start talking to decision makers at startups who are ready to hire. Businesses grow faster when everyone is communicating seamlessly. Download HireAct.us. That's H-I-R-E-C-T dot U-S today. Jason, I'm going to introduce you in a second. And the way I'm going to introduce you is by reading off your LinkedIn title. And then we're going to ask you the most infamous job search question of all time, which is tell me about yourself and see how far or close they are together. So Jason is a UX designer, a front-end developer, the founder of Grunt Monkey. Greatest name for a company ever, by the way. Uh, a UX and front-end development mentor at GA, and I'll add one more little thing uh, that's not on there. You are a coffee roaster, which All I right. find fascinating, and maybe that'll come up at some point in the conversation too. Um, that's the official title. Yeah. But Jason, tell us about yourself.
0: I think it's pretty much in in line with what with what that description is. I'm an independent. I'm an independent developer, designer, consultant. I've been running my own practice for 10 years now. Uh, I turned 10 years just this past January. Bravo. Congrats. Thank you. Big deal. Big, big deal. Like 10 years ago, thinking about this, it, it
1: flew by, really. Um, but well, take, take us back to that point in time. What was going on 10 yeah. years ago that, that popped grunt monkey to the so, top of the brain? The idea of running my own thing, it started years ago,
0: right? Like I grew up with that. That was an idea I had as a kid. What that looked like in practice though, I had no idea. So it had always been kind of like in development that said, you know what? Someday, someday I'm going to do a thing. Like you, you get those, you get those questionnaires where it's like, um, what was your dream job as a kid, right? My dream job was to be a starving artist. Right. It was I wanted to live in the city. I wanted to be an artist. I went to art school. I did all these things. And then you realize you kind of grow up into that. And you're like, realize that's that's not very wise. Like there's <laughs> there's <laughs> that's not very that's not very sustainable in a lot of ways. But the the idea was kind of planted there. And then it just became like, well, what's what what do we become through time and maturity mm-hmm. and growth and everything else? Um so my my background is that I, it's pretty unconventional or untraditional, I think, with a lot of, of job seekers and kind of the employee pool of, of professionals now, it seems like. Um, I grew up in central Illinois. There wasn't a whole lot of design and development and technology related work. Um, I grew up near Champaign-Urbana. University of Illinois is our big supercomputer, computer science um, education facility in the Big Ten. A lot of major internet-related technologies and people have come out of there. Um, the founders of YouTube were computer science alumni from there, um, the first web browser was created there, Mosaic, Netscape branched wow. off from that. Like That's, that's amazing. Right, exactly. And, you know, late 90s is when I kind of got introduced to this just because of proximity. Grew up 20 minutes from there. Mm -hmm. I went to to school in the same town. I went to community college and then got access to the supercomputer center. And, And design and art were kind of part of my education, my formal traditional education. But I never enjoyed the idea of working for a traditional agency, because that's what I was around. That's what mm. we had. We had marketing agencies. We didn't really have design agencies like there are now. They were mostly marketing based mm-hmm. that used designers to be production. People design was production, mm. right? It was, can you make the thing that we need for the ad campaign, for the poster, for whatever. lot of a lot of print material back then too um and that was never really of interest to me like i liked the web i liked the internet side of things like the digital side of things so i tried to find ways to apply the things that i learned from school like art and design classes into the 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 digital and the web design field which back then i always told people if you could make a photoshop image slice it up into a table you had a job. You were you were a web designer back
1: then. Well, put us put us into the context of the time. Like what was going on online at that time? What were maybe some of the sites that were popular or the things that were going on? Oh man, Yahoo was king.
0: Yahoo was king. <laughs> Google, Google was a whisper. Google was a whisper in in the in the message boards that there was this thing coming out of, of California. Um, is gonna compete with Yahoo. Um, my was still predominant. This is pre-Facebook, right? This is the beginning of the internet and web as we know it today. And like, I still remember like the debates of from, from a, from a front end development perspective, you know, is CSS a good thing? Oh right. God. <laughs> like, yahoo yahoo was king yahoo was the search engine hotmail mm-hmm. was how you had your email if you aol instant
1: messenger is that absolutely
0: big A- all right A- A- instant messenger was huge in high school and kind of like into community college so 97 98 99 2000s nice oh yeah aim two K is just around the corner i had so much work because of that it mm-hmm. was hilarious because um you know like the they needed they needed somebody that could maybe fix things should they happen right and you know we we had no
1: idea what was gonna happen like nobody nobody knew what right. was going on i think i have like a distant uncle that wrote a book about y2k back in the day. yeah it was oh man it was
0: fear-mongering in a in a lot just based on just based on a lack of knowledge right mm-hmm. we didn't know enough about what was real and what was going on to, to be able to say, no, 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 you don't need to worry about that. It, uh, it was a lot of, well, we don't know. We don't know Mm if, if the computers are going to be up tomorrow and we don't know if everything's, if the banking system is going to go down and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're locked out of, of the, the, the nominal accounts that you had tied to the internet at that time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. Your, your life was not as online back then as it is today.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. I think that point, though, that you just like what you just said there is really apt, not only in that situation, but in people's careers in general, which is the fear from the lack of knowledge. Oh, sure. Like that, that lack of insight into what is happening behind this screen that mm-hmm. we're all sitting in front of. I think it's terrifying for a lot of people. And, you know, we oh, were there for the forefront of it. Yeah, that makes me feel really old. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Thanks. The, the I, won't gray I,
1: was. I won't say what age I was at Y2K, but um, yeah. no, I'm getting those as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, so that's so cool. And so, you know, you, you started putting these pieces together. And when did the the phrase grunt monkey enter your brain? So that came out
0: that came out of conversations at a dead end job that I'd had as a as a designer within a software company back up back up in the central illinois area um, as an employee you know you bond you bond with your other employees and your colleagues, mm-hmm. and you know you you gripe about the work and you know management never knows anything, and the bosses aren't aren't intelligent they're they're dumb they don't know what they're doing. We can do stuff so much better. And in in conversation, it came out to be, you know, at the end of the day, we're doing the work that a trained monkey could do. We're doing the grunt work that a trained monkey could do. I'll never forget. Like, I remember the conversation. I was like, okay, I'm going to file that one away (laughs) and and, and just kind of like grunt monkey. Okay. That's what we are. That's what we were as employees. It was um, technical work. Absolutely. It was technical work, but it wasn't we were still on the production side of things mm. a lot of the way. So we weren't hired for our insight and our knowledge. We were hired to push buttons and to do translation work from one thing to another.
1: And was that the period of time of where technology was, or was that just the period of time of where you were at in your career? So it was a little bit,
0: I'd say it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, our, I and my colleagues were on the design side of a software company, so the developers were experienced, we'll put it that way, in in a lot of uh, maybe not as familiar languages as they are today. Mm -hmm. Um, But what we were doing, we we were making training software. We were making training software for pilots. And we were converting a lot of, you know, static artwork into flash interactions. So it was work of the time. And I'd say it was, we were pretty knowledgeable of doing, being able to do the work of the time, but it wasn't, looking back at it, it wasn't as deep of knowledge as needed. If that makes sense right we were we were taking we were taking um a photoshop file we were making we were porting images over into flash and we were making interactions with it so we were using a small amount of action script within flash at the time to kind of like mimic interactions right you you click this you click on this thing and the image changes to to represent a dial change or to flip a switch or or whatever right so it was it was artwork and graphics that were going to be utilized within the software, but we weren't writing the software. We mm-hmm. weren't creating the logic behind it. We were creating more really just early stage prototypes in a lot of way.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, and so you saw this opportunity at the time. You know, you're you're full-time with a company, you're mm-hmm. you're doing the grunt monkey work, right? And then you started getting those entrepreneurial aspirations bubbling to the surface, which oh, sure. is definitely something I've had in my career and I think a lot of times when those moments start to happen, uh people start to wonder what I- what am i am i a full timer am i uh mm-hmm. am i an entrepreneur am i a contractor we start to try and figure out what identity we have in our career yeah. and i know that since then you've done a wide variety of things and i think mm-hmm. you and i are kind of similar in that way so one of the things i think might be really interesting is to sort of break down the barriers between the different types of jobs that you've had over the years like what are what are some of your thoughts on on you know, having made those transitions in and out of different kinds of roles, mm-hmm. what what sort of stands out to you as something that might be helpful for someone who's going through those those decisions? I think I, at the at the heart of it, the the best thing to understand is just like
0: what is it that you enjoy. Um, I do transition between being my own boss and working for other companies from time to time, and that is a little easier to to manage now just because of time and maturity and and knowledge right as growing up and i think within the design industry there's still there's still a lot of weird perceptions around independence right we hear the word freelancer we hear the word contractor i kind of de- i have kind of made it a point in my head to kind of define what those roles actually mean, right? A, f- a freelancer is somebody in my brain that has a full-time job and is doing something else on the side for another company. Interesting, right? right. I've never heard it's it phrased that way, but that's awesome. Like a freelancer yeah. or even a moonlighter, right? Yeah. Old 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 term. I love moonlighter, that's great. Right? Like you you have a full-time job but you take on smaller projects for other companies. Freelance projects. Yeah, that makes sense. Freelance as not an employee but as a you know, contractor and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, As an employee, I work for that company. I'm salaried with that company. I have benefits. I have an agreement. There's agreements with all of it, but it's, it's, I am committing to working for this organization or to this, this entity with the intention of, I'm working to help them solve their problems pretty much exclusively. Right. I can still be a freelancer and be an employee, but it's, it's a little, um, it doesn't rely on being, I'm not a full-time contractor. I'm not a full-time freelancer in an independent. I personally, I'm a business. I'm an independent businessman. I run a business. I have a formal LLC. I am a practicing designer of that business. And when I work with companies, they are a client of the Mm -hmm, business, mm -hmm. right? I'm not a contractor for you unless it's me individually. Right. But if I'm involving the business side of it, you're a client of the business. So when I, and and even when I talk, when I talk to other designers and they say things like, oh, I'm an independent. I work with people and they're like, oh, you're a freelancer. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a full-time employee of my own. Right. Right. And I am, I'm handling all of the details that come along with running a business as an independent person, because I don't have an employee. I don't have other employees. It's only me.
1: Yeah it's so interesting to like really get into the nitty gritty of what all these different things mean. It's making me go like, well, wait, which one am I right now? Right. I'm probably a mix of a few things like um, doing like different part-time work, different contracts, some through the business. i yeah. like, and yeah, it can get, it can get a bit messy, but I think that's kind of the fun of it, right? Yeah. Is trying out all these different things and seeing what sort of sticks and what, what really works and what doesn't. I, and there's a lot of it. A lot of it is kind of based around the legal entity,
0: right? The, the, the paperwork, the legal Mm -hmm. entity. If I taxes, yeah, right. How do you pay your taxes? How do you get paid? Are you, um, are you providing them your social security number and you get a, a specific tax form at the end of the year because of that, that you have to collect all your money through and kind of file it accordingly or is it that you have a business id number with Mm -hmm. a separate bank account and and expenses and tracking and all of that and you keep those you keep those worlds separate yeah at the end of the day it's a legal entity versus Mm -hmm. not i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of flexibility within that but i think it just comes down to you know, the business side of it and the taxes side of it a lot of the time.
1: Absolutely. And so having been on all these different sides, um, you've probably gotten a lot of great insight into both, you know, what it's like to search for a job, what it's like to hire people, mm-hmm. what it's like to help other people get a job because you are a mentor Absolutely. and you're a UX designer and you're a business owner. So what what are some of the things that you've learned now that you have this like trifecta of, of perspectives in your mind so much perspective
0: um hiring is hard job hunting is hard client generating is hard it's all hard right it's not if if it was easy everybody could be doing it mm-hmm. right it's not for everybody and, th- and that's what i tell students too that like students that want to be an entrepreneur they want to be an independent i have a real conversation with them and let them know this is not for everybody. If you do not enjoy stress, if you do not enjoy ebbs and flows of productivity, and and clientele and knowing if your work is coming in, like if you're going to be working next month, this might not be for you. (laughs) There's a lot, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, But at the end of the day, it's difficult. Like there's, there's no two ways around it. If I'm searching for a client if I'm working at new clients it, it generating new clients a lot of the times that's the effort that's where my attention is right I have to have enough client work coming in so that I can hire a contractor if I need to I'm not hiring contractors without the work to pay them
1: mm-hmm. right
0: and that's that's a big that's a big thing that a lot of people um, I'd say a lot of job seekers can can remember is you know it's At the end of the day, it's not personal, right? If I can't hire you, I'm not going at at a. I'm not going to hire you out of my own pocket for the sake of hiring you, right? I I need work coming in to justify the costs associated to bringing in uh, a contractor, um, part time, full time, whatever. I have to
1: know that I can pay them. Otherwise. I'm not going to bring them in. It's just not going to happen. This is such an important idea for us to pause on. I I really want to drive this point home in the conversation here because you said, I'm not going to hire contractors without the work to pay them. Absolutely. And that goes Uh, this. We talked about this on uh, the podcast with Corey and it's like companies are not sitting around with piles of money waiting to solve your problem of being unemployed. Absolutely. They are struggling to accomplish something or do something or whatever it is that they're they're working on, and your work will help them achieve their goals of growth. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't help them grow, it's not going to be paid money. And, and that's like such a basic thing that's not getting through to so many job seekers. If you can't, if, if as a job seeker, if
0: you can't provide the business a value of some sort,
1: they have no reason to hire you, which which is a which is a doubling down on the idea that even if you're just an employee, even mm-hmm. if you're not going to go be a contractor, even Absolutely. if you're not going to go, you know, start your own business, you need to understand the business. Absolutely. You need to understand what they're trying to accomplish as an organization. And I think that that's like a good thing and a bad thing. It's a bad thing if oh, you're sure. lazy and you don't want to do it, but it's a great thing if you want to be curious. Like people say, "What question should I ask at the end of an interview?" Well, what do you want to know about their business? There's about a million things they're trying to mm-hmm. do as a company that we can research and bring up. But we're just like, what are the vacation days? And uh, do you right. have a mentor for me? <laughs> it's like, <Right>. what? <laughs> I don't, you know, it, it, it's when I'm, when I'm talking to clients
0: or when I'm talking to a conversion from a client to being an employer. Because I've had that happen a couple of times, where Mm -hmm. I start out as a contractor, I start out um, providing a service to them independently through the business and things like that. And it's an interesting enough challenge that I want to keep working with them. But in order to do that, I have to make some trade-offs, right? If I'm going to go work for you, that means I'm going to reduce the the, the other clients that I can serve because I want to put my attention into this. Mm -hmm. When I'm talking to clientele and when I'm talking to to leads and things like that, the last thing I'm talking about are the perks, right? Yeah. I don't don't care. That stuff's gonna get sorted out uh, in the offer. The things that I wanna talk about right then when I'm in a conversation with the co-founders or the CEO, I wanna ask them about the business. I wanna talk to them. How in the world are you monetizing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How are you keeping the lights on? Right? It's like, what's your plan for the next year as far as a business goes? What's your exit strategy? Do you have one? Is that, are you, where's your money coming from? Is this bootstrapped? Is it, is it investor based? Is it uh, employee equity, employee owned? Like whatever those questions are, those are the things I'm dealing with because those are the people that have those answers. Mm-hmm right perks benefits whatever i will culture I will, even culture, culture even is so I will secondary learn, i will learn about culture by talking to
1: the employees of that company right and that I comes will, with the pre-work that comes with the, mm-hmm. the the research before you get to the interview if you're absolutely. asking about culture in the interview you haven't done your research absolutely if you're i
0: do uh, want to talk about that too i mean like if you're if you're going in blind to an interview at all, you're not doing your work,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? If you're blindly sending in application after application as your first point of contact with a company, you're not doing your work, right? I tell, I tell students a lot of, uh, majority of the time, if you're interested in working at a specific company, get into LinkedIn, go through your contacts, see if you know anybody that works there already. Mm-hmm. If you do, great. Take them out, buy them a cup of coffee and and ask them about the role. Ask them about the company. Ask them about the culture. Okay. Once you kind of have that opportunity, you learn from them. That's great. You now have a point of contact inside. Okay. Uh, This sounds like a great opportunity for me. I'd like to interview. I'd like to apply to this. Is there anything in particular that I should do um, or, or notify the system when I do send that in? hmm. Right. Oh, yeah, sure. Put down my name. Tell them that we talked. Right. OK, cool. Once I apply, like I, I'm notifying and I'm letting people know, like, oh, I've already met so and so. I've already talked to so and so, you know, whatever. In a lot of ways, the app, the, the formal application is the last step. Yep. It's a formality, hopefully at that point. Hopefully. Hopefully. hopefully right. Um, because I've already. Talk to people that work there. I've already got connections in there. I've already got uh, internal support or champions in there. Right? It's uh, my buddy Ryan coined it and t- tells me tells me that all the time, tells their students all the time. It's getting hired is a contact sport.
1: Hmm. I like
0: I, that. I love it. I, I give it to Ryan it's a contact sport. It's, it's who are your contacts? Who do you know? The more contacts you have, the more champions you have within a company, you have less friction of getting in the door because you already know them,
1: Right. You already got some people on the inside working for you. That's amazing. Getting hired is a contact sport. So when we're thinking about actually going and talking to these people, right? Like, um, I'm. I'm pretty sure you and I probably got in touch, maybe through Raj, because Raj is my old business partner, oh, yeah. and he is incredible at reaching out to people and just building networks and 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 just being fearless in his outreach. Um, but as you think about some of the things you've done in your career, um, in order to build your network in order to get out there in order mm-hmm. to sort of put yourself in those situations. Um, well, first of all, do you feel like that comes naturally to you or do you feel like that's something oh, you've God, had to no. build over the years? Yeah. I, it's I think awful. the same for me, right? It's awful. Like it, um, it is the part that I, that I w-
0: wish I was better at in a mm, lot of ways. Right. Yeah. I, I feel, I, I feel I'm very much introverted. Um, I feel that, when I go to an interview, or when I'm going to meet people, I'm playing a part. And that helps, right? I'm playing the part of a business owner, I'm playing the part of somebody that knows what they're doing. Even though I do know what I'm doing. Yeah, I still have to put that extra effort and per, and per, uh, perception out for myself. And then at the end of the day, I'm drained. Right? At the end of the day, I'm spent like, okay, that took all of my energy to get myself worked up enough to be the play the part or to, to kind of be the play the role that I needed to be in order to move things forward.
1: Yeah. That reminds me of um, I was watching a, uh, an episode of hot ones and um, have you ever seen hot ones? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where they eat the wings and they, (laughs) it's it's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) And I think this was the one with, um, with Will Ferrell and he's like, he's looking at Sean Evans and he's like, how is this not phasing you? Like, how are you just like stoic as, as hell? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, you know, you wouldn't want to be getting on like a river raft or I'm not sure what example they use, but you wouldn't want to be getting into like uh, a river raft going down the rapids and the person who's running the the tour right. is like freaking out. Right? Mm-hmm. You, you want the person who you're talking to to be calm and collected, even if inside they're like, holy cow, here comes the waterfall. Right? Yeah, And absolutely. so that is like, we, that's what we need to convey. Like, whether we're business owners or we're contractors or we're trying to get a full-time job, we need to convey that they can have confidence in us. Right. And so often, people don't have confidence in themselves, so it's really hard for them to convince. And there, there's a very thin line there between
0: coming off as confident and coming off mm. as uh, a personality or as somebody with an ego. Right? Yeah, confidence versus cocky. Absolutely. You... To be an entrepreneur, you have to have a little bit of an ego. Right? You, you have to. You have to, because I'm looking at things in a lot of different ways and thinking I can do better than that. Yeah. Right. You have to have a little bit of that. But what you do with that personality the rest of the time is you. Hmm. Right. It, it's I'm I'm not cocky. I don't walk in and think I can solve all the problems right off the bat. I'm coming in confident in a system in order to work with a team in order to address the needs and kind of solve the problem right i have confidence knowing that if there's
1: yeah and knowing that if there is something you don't know you can learn it quickly like absolutely that that ability to say i don't know that yet oh my gosh i i telling people
0: you don't know something in an interview is a superpower That that is your multiplier right Because you are confident enough to admit a limitation, right? I Actually, I don't know how to do that yet, but give me a weekend and I can learn it, Mm -hmm. right? I can, you know, give me a week, I'll learn it and I'll come back to you with what I learned, right? Showcasing that your limitations and knowledge, but yet following up with the next step or a plan in order to address that. I look for that in people, right? I don't like if you're, if the contractors and the interview, pe- the students or whoever it is that I'm interviewing and they're painting me this rosy picture of nothing ever goes wrong. They're full of it. I know it and they know it, right? Like nothing ever went wrong. Really? Yeah. Really? So, you know, I don't, I don't want the rosy picture. I want the real picture, Mm -hmm. right? This project was really difficult, not because of a limitation of knowledge, but because of a team personality issue, right? It was frustrating. It was stressful. I want to hear those stories Mm -hmm. because I want to hear about how you're dealing with it. How did that affect you? Did that trigger something personally? And you had to be out for a couple of days right? Like the details, I maybe, I probably don't need to know, but yeah. I need to be able to understand workflow. I need to understand you as a person.
1: Well, so and, that, that- and that brings in this extra point here, which is the truth versus the truth, right? Yep. And uh, so often I'm talking to people and they're like, well, I want to be honest in my interview, so I'm going to talk about how much I hate my old boss. And I, It's like, what are you doing? Like, why are you f- that being, being a jerk isn't being honest, right. right? Like, Or it is, and you just shot yourself in the foot and right. don't expect a callback. Well, and, and there's, there's, it's like, so there's two ways to look at a thing, right? Um, in my last job, I didn't like it because I spent all of my time cold calling. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. But what I liked about my last job was the like three hours a week I got to meet with clients. So I'm really looking for that in my next role. Which is the better thing to say? I hated cold calling and my last job was crap yeah. or I'm really excited to do more of these relationship meetings mm-hmm. in my next role. And I think it's like perspective. It's about like how are you looking at the story versus cuz you could you could uh, I mean how often have we seen like those trailers, right? Where they take a a comedy and make it look like a horror film or they take <laughs> The Shining and make it look like a goofy comedy rom-com. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Like depending on how you cut your story together and what perspective and tone you put on it, it shifts the entire thing. Even if the content of the story is the same.
0: Absolutely. I I couldn't agree more. Right. Like I, I will dig into more of the specifics probably later. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I want to, I want to hear about the things that they enjoy doing Mm -hmm. because that's going to help influence. How can I use them? Right. If they enjoy cold calling people, that's great. I hate cold calling people. I hate I hate that part of the outreach. And if they enjoy it, okay, you're you're ahead of the curve, Mm -hmm. right? You're ahead of the pool, because you enjoy doing something that I don't so that if you were to work with me, you're going to be doing that work. And I could focus on something else.
1: Allowing people to stop doing something that they don't want to do to focus on something else is such a huge differentiator that no one thinks about. Right. It's like, well, I'm not the best UX designer in the world. I looked at, I, I'm, I'm trying to get on, I'm trying to get someone on Upwork right now. And they just keep saying, well, look at all these profiles on Upwork that do amazing things. I don't know how to do um, back-end development so I can never be on Upwork. And I'm like, you don't have to do everything. You just need to take the pain point off of their plate mm-hmm. so they can go do the strategy. Absolutely. How do you see hey. that playing out with your students?
0: I, I think it i think it's a hard thing to to realize right i think i think there is a lot of that perception of well I don't do x good enough yet so I'm gonna go focus on that thing
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm only going to focus on that thing so I can get good at that and then you come back in and you're like okay cool i've i've improved my skill set in in this thing okay i you know that's great but what what's the real value like a dime there's there's a dozen people that i could hire with that same skill set mm-hmm right? What is the thing that you're bringing to the company? What is the thing you're bringing to the table? If you are kind of focusing in on that value proposition, though, here's the thing that I can help you with, right? UX is a tool. Web development is a tool. Marketing is a tool. But if you can come into the table that says, you know what, I I looked at your, your current marketing campaign, and your ad campaign, and I saw some areas for improvement that could lead to ten percent more possibly right like maybe ten percent more maybe five percent more yeah. an improvement of some sort okay tell me more right I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to you I'm gonna see where you're gonna go with this right I think a lot of the time within my own sake it's i learn a lot of different things i be, in order to i understand it so i can have a conversation with somebody that knows it better mm. right i focus on the web design side and the web development side i focus more on the front end that's just that's what i start. that's what i came up with that's what i've learned i have a good understanding of that i know enough about back end and server architecture to ask questions and be informed but i'm never touching that side of things. right? Same goes with with design, right? I got a traditional start in graphic design. I went to university for graphic design. I self-taught front-end development and web design. I know enough to ask questions. Mm-hmm. If i'm talking to a graphic designer because i need their skill set, I'm going to be talking to them as a designer, not as an uninformed boss mm-hmm. or an uninformed person that doesn't know what they're hiring. And that influences a lot of the outreach that I do when I do hire people, right? I'm very specific in my in my experiences where I've brought in a contractor. I lay out very specifically the goals that I'm needing approached or the goals that I'm needing reached. I need somebody that can help me reach this metric. I don't care how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me how you're going to do it, right? I know enough about the structure and, and whatever your toolkit is to get a, uh, to have an understanding of how you're probably going to go about doing it. But as far as the actual execution goes, I'm I'm help. I'm asking you to solve a goal to to reach a goal, not to use a specific tool.
1: We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. Each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now, back to our show. Well, that's that's a big piece of like, you know, we have that internal monologue of I don't know this well enough. Well, you definitely know it better than the person you're talking to, most likely. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was chatting with someone recently and they asked me about something with illustrator and illustrator was my favorite tool in my design classes in college, but how much have I used it in the last 10 years? Mm -hmm. Very, very little. Right. But I do know that you can like um, you can turn like handwriting into a vector. If you just with a click of a button without tracing it. And so I was like, got this. I'm going to help you turn this signature into a blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I pull it up and (laughs) get into the software and I'm like, yeah, I don't remember where this button is. This button is <laughs> it's changed somewhere. so much too, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, there's some tools. So I hit up YouTube, found it right. in about two minutes. The The thing is, is that I know the answers are out there. Right. I know that if I ask the right questions and don't give up, there will be an answer at some point. And I think so often folks just get hit with the the hit with the, the realization they don't know something, mm-hmm. freeze and stop. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, we got to push through that boundary. If you, if you can learn how to learn, you are golden,
0: right? Like you said, like, okay, yeah, I, I have a pretty good idea of how I can do something, right? And then I open it up in front of me and realize, uh, this has changed a lot since yeah. I last looked at it. Well, I have to go learn again how to do something.
1: Do you, do you feel like you always had a perspective similar, like that type of perspective on, on either work or life? When, when did that start to develop for you?
0: I think, I think it realized, I think I realized it when I started getting actually into the field and starting to talk to more people Mm. outside of my own bubble of, you know, university and school or, or it's, where I grew up or, or wherever it is. Right. I think you learn to kind of grow that perspective. The more that you reach out of your own
1: kind of bubble, Mm -hmm. right. The more people you talk to, the more things you're going to learn. Yeah. Right. Um, And Sometimes we gotta be like shaken up. Right. Like for me, it came out of frustration. It came out of like being in a role that I really didn't like and not knowing mm -hmm. what to do about it and being like, well, I guess I kind of, I gotta learn something here.
0: Right. Absolutely. And and that's that's personally like that's my approach, right? Like I learn by doing.
1: Mm-hmm. If
0: I wanna learn how to do something, I will create a project in order to do it. I want to learn how to run a business. So I started a business, right? What's the worst that can happen? I close it up and I go get a job. Yeah.
1: And that's a hundred percent true. A hundred percent that's it. That's 100%. all that can happen.
0: It failed. I went and got a job. Absolutely. You know? It might be, it might be another job of the same thing, or it might be like another attempt, but it's, it's okay. I need something that I can learn this thing and I need some sort of a structure. I don't learn just by reading. I have to learn by practice. So I learned how to run a business 10 years later, still, still pay my taxes four times a year because of the business. Yeah.
1: Right. And it's still, um, it's still going. And it's incredible how much of a, um, of a Swiss army knife, it makes you when you've built your own business, you uh-huh. can now go in and talk about a UX design job with the perspective of a business owner, Absolutely. and it really just starts to, you You start to sort of see the matrix in a way, and you can sort of see all these like layers coming out, it's, yeah, like a, like a, literally like a Photoshop file or an illustrator file, you right. kind of keep seeing layers back, it's like the pencil layer and the ink layer, and and it kind of, it really sets you apart in your search. And you had kind of talked about um, offline, about chasing some opportunities and and how difficult it is even with all these oh, perspectives, sure. right? And so I'm kind of curious, like what have been some of the things happening around um, the opportunities you're chasing down either for your business or, or, or other and what's been happening there? So there's, like I said, like we'll circle back to the fact that Working
0: is hard, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Being an employee, being uh, an employee within a new company, finding a new job, finding a new role, finding a new client, it's hard. It's all hard. Um, in the last beginning of the year, I started reaching out more for, uh, an employment role, right? I, I tend to kind of bounce back and forth between my own practice and, and getting back into the actual workforce in order to learn right? I work, like I said, like I work as an independent, I'm a single person business, I have my own bubble around me a lot of the time based on my own conversation and my own knowledge and my own conversations with clientele. In order to learn a bigger picture of the market, you got to get back into the market. So it's interviewing and it's going through that process again, in order to keep learning, right? And interesting opportunities come up, We sit there and we talk about it and I have been reminded over and over again over the last couple of months is that when I'm working for somebody else, I have less control of the outcome because it's not, that is not my thing, right? Right. My own business, I have full control over it. I can run it. I can hire people. I can lay people off. I can close it up if I wanted to. But when I'm working with somebody else for somebody else's business as an employee of theirs, I I do not have that control, right? At the end of the day, that business is making decisions that affect me as a Mm -hmm. potential employee or as a, as a potential hire that I have no control over. Right. Um, If a client or if a business decides that, they are hiring for a specific role. They're going through the process. They're taking applications. They're holding interviews. They're bringing people in to meet the team. I've had situations where that job just disappears. Mm-hmm. Right, a change in hiring strategy. Right, that's the that's the phrase that I've heard a few times. A change
1: in hiring strategy.
0: A change in hiring strategy, which boils down to hi- decision makers within the company decided. They don't want to hire that role. They, they right. decided that they don't need that role anymore. They want a role more focused on something else. What can you do, right? Is mm-hmm. a business decision as a business owner? I totally understand it. Yeah. I get it. I get. I can kind of see where that's coming from. Oh, we can't hire this. We can't hire for this design role or this product manager role or this developer role because we didn't sign the client that we thought we were going to get when we started all this interviewing process. Okay. Well, that, that job went away because the work went away. Mm -hmm. Can you, it sucks. It's, it's hard, but at the end of the day, okay,
1: it's business. I get it, but it hurts, and that's it where we hurts. like we have to take we have to get out of our own head in those moments and out of our own emotions. Like, um, I had a very long interview process with a company years back, and all of a sudden they just disappeared. I was like, I thought I was going to be flying out to Texas and and getting this job, right. and then they just disappeared. And I was like, what the hell happened? And then I find out, like after many many follow ups over a couple months, that they're like. Oh, we went internal. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what did I do wrong? No, I'm supposed to be a career coach. And then um, what I found out after that is that they didn't go internal. They went under. The Mm -hmm. whole company went under. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Here I was beating myself up for two, three months. And it wasn't even, it had nothing to do with me. Right? Absolutely. And that's like such a key thing to keep in mind in the jobs are just so much of this has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It has to do with internal politics and 13 decision makers. They said they'd get back to me by Friday, but they're two days late. Yep. Well, of course they're two days late because they're trying to coordinate with the CEO who never responds to email. Mm-hmm. Like it's in, it's just crazy. Once you've peeked behind the curtain and see what's on Absolutely. that other side. and And like I said, like you can't, you, it's, it's not personal
0: right it's it's the business it's it's what that business is doing between you know, behind the walls that you can't look through mm-hmm. right some things you can control sure right be aware you know like I've, I've lost opportunities and things have gone internal because of my fee right sitting there talking about a project and realize okay um, do you want to do this as a project base? Do you want to do it as a, as a fixed rate? Do you want to do it as an hourly rate? Like, well, understanding, understanding the business and understanding, like the models that exist for that lead or for that
1: client, how do you try and put those things together? Where do you start in, in formulating those numbers? I look at value. The majority of the time I look at value,
0: um, talk about the project first, get an understanding of what the goal is of the project you know, what's the thing that you need accomplished, right? We need a bunch of production work done. We need a bunch of, of, of images retouched or or graphics made. Okay. So I'll walk you through, I'll walk you through that process, right? Like I'm trying to understand the project and the goal and the job as much as possible before we even start talking money. It is, I'm asking questions about, deadlines i'm asking questions about scope i'm asking questions about uh team right like how many people do you have doing this thing right how important is this project in the first place right what's what's the deadline for this do you need these graphics because you have a conference coming up in a month that you need the graphics for the banners and everything like that or is this um is this maybe something, a lower priority thing that just needs to be done, but you don't want to invest your own people on,
1: hmm.
0: right? It's interesting. A lot of, lot of decisions going into that, right? And at the end of the day, it comes down to what's the value that I can provide them based on my understanding of the work and understanding of the project In ex- and what's the exchange for that, that I'm providing them. Mm-hmm. If it's a situation where we have a problem about um, our sales have dropped, right? We'll, well, I'll make up some examples. If I'm talking to a client and their sales have dropped, okay, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what's your current approach to that project? What's, what's your, what's been your, like, why do you think that it's dropped? Well, um,
1: you know, we don't know. Right? We don't know why it's dropped. A lot of times they don't know. We don't they, know.
0: They don't know what they need. But they come to me, but they, but the the repre- uh, the stakeholder, whoever it is, comes to me with the project already mapped out. Mm-hmm. Right? We need a new website. <laughs> why do you need a new website? Well, because our sales have dropped. Yeah. Why have your sales dropped? We don't know. But we need a new website to fix it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or we need a new app. Or we need a new ad campaign. Okay. How valuable is it? that your sales come back? How valuable is it that we move that needle? Right? Um, if, If you're like, what's your current acquisition strategy for sales? Oh, we get the majority of our sales, we have a pretty high conversion rate of our newsletter. Okay. How many people are signed up to your newsletter? Uh, we send out about, we have a thousand people on the list or we send, we have a, we have a hundred. No, I'll make the numbers easy. We have 10 people on the list and we get 50% conversion rate of those 10 Mm -hmm. people. They are monthly purchasers. They buy stuff from us. Okay. Is that your main marketing channel? Is that your main acquisition and revenue conversion channel? Yeah. We've, we've tinkered around with other things, but that's our main focus. Okay. So you start to do the math, right? 50% of their list are, are people that are providing them revenue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if I can increase that list size from 10 people to hundred people to a thousand people, 50% of a hundred versus 50% of 10. Okay. Other questions I'm asking within the scenario what's your average revenue based per customer remind remember i'm a designer and i'm asking Mm. these questions right right okay um you get a hundred dollars per per conversion of your newsletter and you currently have five people a month okay well do the math right if i increase that to be 50 people a month or 100 people per month you can do the math real quick and it's like okay look at look at how much revenue is coming into the business because of that change. Yeah. In that instance, I would be looking at a value proposition or a value model, right? 10% of that new revenue is what I'm calculating that on maybe, right? That's nothing to them if I'm bringing in that much revenue. Right. Right? And it and it understanding how that works though, that might take me a week mm-hmm. that might take me a couple of weeks, a month to figure out the hurdle, the blocker that's keeping that from happening. So I'm trying to evaluate based on efficiency. Like how valuable is this to you? How valuable is it to me? How efficient can I be in getting this done? How, how efficient can I get this project done? Is there a deadline for it? You know, is this something that needs to be done tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I probably can't do it. And I'll tell them I can't do it. Yeah. Is, is there their deadline? Like, oh, we'd like to have this sorted out by the end of the quarter. Then I'm looking at the calendar. Like, when is it? Okay, it's February 21st now. Quarter ends in about, you know, what, March? End of month? Okay. That timeline might feel better. I might be able to do it then. But these are all the things that I'm trying to calculate right. within within a project. Other instances are pure production work. Right. It's like, how um, can, you, can you produce these mock ups or can you produce these prototypes based on the screens that we provide? Okay. What level do you need them done? Are you doing them in code or do you need them in something like Envision and XD or whatever? How efficient am I with my tools to evaluate how quickly I can get this work done?
1: Mm-hmm. Other times, there well, what are I'm, what I'm getting from you here is to look at all the variations Uh in the work, right? And this is, I think, is something that's so crucial for anyone who's looking for a job, right? They say, this was the job listing. I don't meet 100% of the criteria. I'm not going to apply. Wait a second. They don't really know what you need to do to get that job done. So maybe you don't need, first of all, we know you don't need 100%. You need like 60%. Right. Right. But- Let's say you go in and they're like, we need someone full time to redesign the website. Why? Well, our goal is to get more customers to go to our email. Well, wait, maybe you just need to revamp your email. The project is now down here. Mm -hmm. Now it's something way more achievable for a junior than someone who might need to be senior. But you figured that out just by asking one question right and and you're you're seeing how you can get a junior level role at, while going after a senior level project and all these different kinds of variations in the yeah. the scope of what they could potentially hire you to do yeah there's a lot
0: there's a lot of i don't know if it's perception or if it's just misunderstanding or whatever like if you're if you're reading a job description pick apart I think, and, and honestly, I think it comes with a little experience is being able to kind of pick apart what it is that they're really looking for mm-hmm. based on the language that they're using, right? Are you a rock star in a, that likes startups and likes uh, fast pace? All right, that tells me a lot about a company, right? They're looking for energy. They're looking for fast moving because they're under the gun, that they have deadlines, that they have milestones that they have to hit, and you need to be able to keep up so that they can you know, help them hit those milestones, whatever it is, right? You only learn the the details behind it with a little bit of practice and a little bit of experience of reading through them and kind of
1: deciphering
0: them. But the rest of it is done through conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. And what you said earlier, interviewing as learning. Interviewing as learning. Read the description, <laughs> go on the interview, Ask them questions, look at the description again. No one ever goes back and says, Did no. what they tell me in the interview match what they actually right. put online? Read the description, track
0: down somebody that works there and ask them questions about the description. Right? It's, hey, you know, there's a hiring manager behind it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Go through, again, like go through LinkedIn ping the company track down somebody you know there's there's a point of contact on most con- on most of those applications on most of those uh, job descriptions somewhere yeah you don't have to blindly apply you can ask them questions you can start a conversation with those
1: people because you know what you're going to need to
0: work through them at some point anyway
1: right right well, and, and what i'm loving about this conversation what we're saying here is like So many people, they apply for the job, they go on the interview, they answer the questions as best they can, they ask a couple of culture questions that don't matter, and then they go home and they wait. And they freak out for two weeks until they hear back. What you're saying is, I go in, I ask a bunch of questions, and then I spend the next week chewing on their problem, so that the next time I talk to them, I'm like... I'm in solving mode. We're already working together. Mm-hmm. Now you just need to sign the contract and bring me in so I can give you these solutions that I've thought of already. Absolutely. And like that change just shifts the entire job search. We're no longer like putting out our hands asking for some more, right? Mm-hmm. We're just like, what is it? What is the thing? And can I solve it? And if I can, I've got, I've got plenty of things to think about other than are they emailing me back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, even from
0: my own perspective and my own kind of approach to things, I'm, I'm going through, uh, job listings and and job boards and things like that. And I'm seeing the role, I'm seeing these opportunities and I'm seeing these roles. Well, that's good because that tells me that they're hiring. That tells me that they need somebody that they can't do that job themselves. Mm -hmm. Right. The next thing is I need to be able to sell my ability to solve that problem and to do that thing that they're admitting in writing that they can't do. Again, it comes back to ego a little bit. Yeah. Enough of confidence and ego to think and just to, to realize that you need me. Yeah. Right. You, you need me to do a thing because you can't do it. And, and walking in with that little piece of knowledge in your back pocket can sometimes just be enough to kind of boost that confidence too. Um, but again, like I'm looking through opportunities. I'm looking through leads. Like I said, like I'm, I'm reaching out first to have a conversation about it. Yeah. Hey, I saw this. Here's a little bit about me. Here's a little bit about my background. Do you have some time next week to talk? With a call to action. Absolutely. A call to next Week to talk. You give them, that's you, what's up. You
1: give them a day. You give them a time window. Yeah. Let me know if you have any questions. What questions are they going to have? What questions are they going to have from your email? Who are you? That's going to be the question, right? Like, why do I, why should I talk to you? Yeah, that's a
0: question. Um, I'm sitting there like, well, my, my initial email breaks down as an introduction to me, a little bit about my experience, my understanding of the project Mm -hmm. and, and, my experience as to how I've addressed similar projects like this in the past. Here's a little bit more information about me. Here's where you can, you look me up. Here's where you can do your research on me because I know you're gonna, but after that, are you available this day between these hours to talk about this?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm not formal. I haven't formalized any application process yet. I'm That's just looking I'm just looking for a conversation to get a better understanding of what they think they're looking for or what they know they need.
1: And, and after to that, be honest, every company needs something. Absolutely. Every company's every company needs to grow or they will not grow. And if they're not growing, they are shrinking and shrinking's okay. bad. So um, not necessarily. Oh, I got okay. a whole I got a whole other we can do a whole other that, podcast on growth. That.
0: But um, it, it really comes down to, you know, understanding what they're needing. And how do you position yourself as an applicant, as a service provider, as an employee to deliver on
1: the thing that they need? That's awesome. So I'm going to take a quick shift here, because I want to start asking a question at the end of these podcasts. Um, One that's a little bit, you know, looking back uh, a little bit of a, a history lesson to yourself. If you could go back to the start of your career, And give advice to that young grunt monkey who is putting in the hours. Uh, What would you say to yourself? Well, what age would you go back to? And what would you say to your younger self? Oh, wow. Um, I would probably
0: go back to my 20s. And I would tell myself that there are fewer rules than the world perceives. There is not a single path. To getting to your goals. Everybody's got a different road to get there, right? You have to kind of follow what works best for you. We talked about this earlier, right? It's, I hate cold outreach. I hate going out and talking. I hate networking, mm-hmm. right? I hate networking. Right up. It's awful. It makes me uncomfortable. I hate small talk. I just despise it right it drives me crazy it, it freaks me out um, but everybody says you have to network hmm you have to go to these meetups you have to go in you have to go put yourself in front of a room full of strangers shake everybody's hand get everybody's business card follow up with them the next day make coffee dates set up all this stuff for them right no I, I hate doing that that doesn't gonna work for me my approach is going to be more one-on-one i'm gonna look up the company i'm gonna look up the type of work they're doing i'm gonna see if i know anybody there i'm gonna have a one-on-one conversation with somebody over instant over linkedin messaging or chatting or facebook or whatever the thing is and i'm gonna start that conversation there because it makes i'm more comfortable in that Sit am more comfortable in that situation. Mm-hmm. And that's what works for me, right? You, you don't have to do what everybody says to do in, in terms of execution, but right? you do have to do, but you have something. to do something, <laughs> right? You don't have to have a blog that you produce 1200 words every week. Mm-hmm. You don't have to start a podcast. You don't have to go to every meetup event. What you have to do, though, is you have to make introductions somehow. Right. And figure out what works best for you in order to do that. Like I said, it might be a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. It might be
1: uh, an introduction through a referral. And that that might work. Yeah, I had someone make a connection through their Clash of Clans Slack group. Perfect. <laughs> Who knew? Tells me, tells me a lot about personal
0: interest, right. Exactly. And, and commonality. Um, you know, you don't, you know, there's, there's so many articles out there and there's so many, you know, thought leaders and, and professional people that have made it that say, Oh, you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. You know, that worked mm-hmm. for them. That worked for their approach. You need to figure out what works for you yeah. based on, knowing yourself, like knowing what, you, what you're what you uncomfortable with and then making the decision that says, okay, is that something that I need to address and kind of work on or is it something that
1: I can ignore and find a different way? Right. I think, and the key in there is you have to get in front of someone. It's just how you do it, mm-hmm. how you execute on that directive, just right. like your business needs to make money, but how you make money is up right. to you. So I think that's incredibly important to 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 end on um as we uh wrap up our podcast today thank you so much jason for joining us um is there anything that you would like to plug um for yourself your business um any any last words you'd like to leave the group with um i will plug general
0: assembly cuz that uh, is where i'm spending a lot of my time um i've been an instructor and a mentor with general assembly um for years now at this point right if you are interested in a career change if you are interested in improving your skill set as a designer a developer a marketer whatever Look into General Assembly because we have tons of opportunities to to practice those skills, right? If you're interested in learning UX design or front-end web development, look at their on-demand products because that's where I work. I work as a mentor for them, and you can talk to me on a weekly basis by by learning UX and learning some front-end web development
1: that's what's up and that's how you and i met at general Absolutely. Assembly. i'm a contract coach there so i'm right on board with you Absolutely. second it all thank you so much for joining us um wishing you uh, a great weekend uh, as we head into this friday and wishing everyone the best of luck in your next career change thank you all for watching